Welcome to the party, bung bung! It's your man Claytron, aka the big boss man, aka the clumsy jeweler, cause I'm always dropping gems, aka the milkman, cause I always deliver, aka the PhD of podcasts. And I'm back. We uh, we're here in uh, in Melbourne, recording from Melbourne this weekend uh, for the intro here of the uh, the all day episode. So um, we've got all day hip hop. Extraordinaire, Aussie hip hop extraordinaire, talking about um, basketball, uh, hip hop, obviously, comedy, um, success, motivation, and all the things that come with uh, building yourself in, in, in what you want to be good at and, uh, uh, you know, the highs and lows of all of it. So let's get straight into it here. So uh, welcome to the party, uh, my friend, Tom Gaynor, a.k.a. All day. Got no time to overthink. Cause I feel it. It's slipping away. Cause kids aren't just forever. And it feels like yesterday. When everything was simple. It's slipping away. Just paint my canvas blurry. And the car like Cornet. So, I guess. For for the people, for the listeners, we we know each other from from playing basketball at Sturt, um, like under 14, 16 sort of time. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, you were running around with um, you had the knee pads, the elbow pads. You were you were you were rough, rugged, and raw. People. People often reference that when they talk about my old basketball days, but I think it's because I used to just be, I wasn't the most skilled player. I could shoot a little bit, but I, my uh, trademark was just trying hard, you know? Yeah, so right. I had, to, I had to have the knee pads because I would end up on the ground every game, like just like scrambling and I would just fuck my knees up, you know? Yeah. So that's, it, I didn't really care how I looked, but I did look like a goober. Are you still into into basketball? Do you like you're living in LA now? You are you an LA fan or? Uh, yeah, I do. I I, I play a bit. I played I played uh, tonight actually. I played. I went to go to LA Fitness. Oh, okay. Been here, Clay, Clay, right? He played around here too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I never played like pickup at LA Fitness or anything like that though. It's pretty good, like, it go, there's like a bums and there's like really good players who used to play college and you never know who you're going to get to. Yeah, that's dope. And you go out there I with have, um, Alex, Wills? Yeah, I go with Alex, but he doesn't go to LA Fitness, but because he's on like the west side, I'm in Hollywood, so I just go out basically every night by myself actually and just, you know, it's good to blow off some steam, yell at some strangers. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. Do you, uh, yeah, so do you have a favorite NBA team? Um, I mean, I like, I, I do, I like the Lakers, but I'm not, you know, it's hard when you're not from here, it's hard to really get a, you know, allegiance with one team, it's like, I'm not from here, dude, so. Yeah, I feel um, I but, like to follow the Australians and see what they're doing, and, you know, but I do see, like. So you, you follow the Lakers a bit, you, uh, have you, have you been to any games, um, especially in this new LeBron James era? Nah, because I've, I've just got, I was in Australia and then before that I was nailing vocals for my new stuff, so that's the one thing I'm going to do like as soon as I get a chance. Um, and also they're playing good now, right? So, yeah, they're, they're starting to get it together a little bit. Yeah, 
with the West is weird. It's like that. It's like good all the way down, except Phoenix. Basically, everyone's kind of good. Yeah, and Phoenix. Phoenix could be good in a few years. With they've got Aiton and Booker. Um, mm. They've got Trevor Reason now. I think no. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and like he was a big piece to go missing from Houston. Like it made he made a huge difference. Yeah, and now Houston have you know got rid of Carmelo, and it looks so fucking crazy out there as well. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Houston are always making the good free agent pickups, but this year it's like, oh, they didn't keep enough guys. It's like they look kind of thin now. That's it, and with like everyone's playing for second at this stage, and Golden State's bench is so deep that. If you've got if you've got five elite starters, you're still you just, it's just not going to work out for you. No, you need. I mean, the I, kind of the top teams in the East might be like I reckon Kawhi and the Raptors are going to be a problem. Yep. Uh, to the Kumpo at Milwaukee. Yeah. He's on route. Yeah. I mean, I'm a nerd for this shit. Do you follow it a lot? I mean, you obviously do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm a I'm unfortunately a Chicago fan. So it's gonna be a while till we're good again. I was I had my hopes up within the the D Rose age, and that that sort of fell apart with the the injuries, and um, it hasn't been the same since. Wait, didn't your dad get was wasn't he like on a Chicago team back in the day, or like almost? Or? Yeah, he was. He was the last one cut from tryouts. Fucking hell! Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. cool though. My my dad played for like. St. Michael's old scholars football. Yeah. <laughs> My dad always tells me I'm, I'm better than he was. And I'm like, well, I don't think so, man. I'm like, no NBA team even knows my name, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, different era, maybe. Maybe he's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he, I know he couldn't shoot and shooting was sort of my, my thing. But, yeah. But, um, it's weird, like... I another friend of mine, his dad used to be like the man at basketball back in the day. And I watch him now, I'm like, you, you kind of look like Bob Cousy with your skills, you know? Like, <laughs> right hand only. Yeah, just round in circles, man. I love Bob Cousy. That's <laughs> <a> shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he was killing. He was actually killing like that. Yeah, he was killing. It was just such a funny time. Shit. You know, Pete Maravich the other day, so, oh, I don't know if we're going to talk about basketball the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched some Pete Maravich vids the other day And damn he was nice He was a bit different I think he could play today Yeah he's got that like um, uh, I don't know like that Jason Williams in him Where he was doing like the fancy um, like yeah. Passes and shit Yeah He was nice And then I saw a game on Facebook Of him playing horse against George Gervin Or was it George Gervin? George Gervin Gervin yeah and, yeah, and man, he just beat him as well, and it was just like, it was just so, it was just the coolest shit seeing those guys go at it. Yeah, it sucks, like, it, like, out the, the era that we're in now is, like, unreal, but, like, some of those, like, huge names, Oscar Robertson, Pete Maravich, Will, um, mm. uh, you know, all those guys, like, not, not being able to see them, and a lot of them not having YouTube highlights and shit, it just kind of sucks that we didn't get to see that. Yeah, and we also underrate them. Like they don't play in this era, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll we'll move on. Otherwise, we'll, yeah, we'll do this shit all day. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were 
You were uh, like bombing, bombing up tags and shit back in back in the days. Bombing up tags and shit. Oh, that, I mean, yeah, I did do graffiti. I did write. Yeah, a lot. Was that your sort of introduction into hip hop? I think I I think I discovered it all at the same time. Really, like um, I discovered rap, you know, at like 11, to, you know, 10, 11, 12, and then at the same time I saw graffiti and I was like, man, that's so cool. I don't know why I, th- I thought it was so cool, but I was just fascinated with it, you know. And I was always like, man, I want to I wanna do that straight away. Straight away I got like a marker and wrote on behind a sports shed at my school or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, I was that guy that was tagging the, the, the toilets at school. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then I stepped up to like, stepped up or maybe stepped down when I was like 13 I was like got got myself some money together went to the city got um you know found some guy who was like 20 walking past and I was like hey could you go in and buy me some spray paint because obviously you have to be 18 to buy spray paint yeah um you know and so he like probably bought like three cans and stole the rest of them that night and ducked in the little like scribble somewhere yeah and then that yeah I mean I think it's kind of like it was a fun, adventurous time for me. Like a lot of people, a lot of people get wrapped up in like the other side of it, which is like the violent side and the sort of like gang side. I was never even, I was never doing that really. I was just like, go pick up my friend in my car at like 1 a.m. and then we just go on adventures, climb things, you know. And we were the only ones around. It was kind of like a bit of a magic. We we I thought it was like magic, and then the next day we'd be like, "Oh, there's our word," you know. Yeah, and it's it's just it's a bit different now because you can you can look back, and you know you used to go on these adventures and shit, and now it's you know everything's just people sitting down on their phones and shit, and like the only the only artists really are people that have got their like their walls like legally and stuff there's not there's not really any like dope shit that just pops up well yeah but you know what i think kids are still doing it but we're just not attuned to it yeah right because and also when you're a little kid doing graffiti the funny thing is you think the whole world's looking at your graffiti because you have no concept of like because you just you live in a smaller world when you're a kid right like yeah you maybe ride your one train line from home to school or to work or whatever you probably you know it's like a little pocket of a little city and then on that train line you think that's like you think that's the world you know for me it was from like Blackwood Blair to like the city but mostly to like Mitchell like in Adelaide small place but I was I was the one walking up and down that like writing my name on it so I thought I was a superstar you know I thought I was like the most famous graffiti writer in the world yeah right but you know it was like I was known to probably seven kids <laughs> who who also wrote in that little area it's a funny little hobby really isn't it but yeah. i think it's very primal it's funny how the world grows and shrinks at the same time what do you mean i mean that like you said you when you're younger the world's so small in a, in the sense of like you think the whole world's looking at your work but you're you know maybe seven kids or you know the people that ride that particular train will see it but then the older you get and the greater that your network gets. I mean, every time I meet somebody, I've got somebody in common with them, whether I meet them in America, Italy or Australia, it's just like, um, the world's so small, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, and isn't that always, to me, I don't know if it's like that for you, but I'm always like pleasantly surprised by that, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, you can, um, you can sort of go anywhere and we're not that far apart from each other. Yeah, the pleasant surprise nice for me is that I've like, I've managed to meet them face to face in a world where social media is so prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I get a bit fed up with my phone too, man. And it's so addictive. And they've made it addictive for us. They're trying to get us addicted. Yeah, like all, all the algorithms, it's, it's only stuff you want to see. So, like, how are you supposed to stop scrolling? Oh, man, you actually brought up something I've been thinking. Like, you know, Facebook, I think particularly, is... You know, there's so many sad videos or like emotional videos. You see like a kid being able to see for the first time or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, he's been giving and it's really emotional and it's beautiful. And you watch it, it's four minutes. Maybe are you, it's like you're almost crying or, you're, or you are crying. Yeah. And then, and then that finishes and then that, you know, and then the autoplay thing goes and then there's another video and it's the same kind of thing. It's another emotional tearjerker. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think that's healthy, man. Even though it is a beautiful story of this guy's, of the, a kid seeing for the first time or whatever, it's kind of like voyeurism because these people, that's someone else's experience, that's someone else's emotion, that's someone else's life. And like, yeah, maybe it's beautiful to see one, but not go through living these, these, because really, they're not fake emotions, but they're not our emotions, they're someone else's, it's someone else's life. Right? Yeah, and we're like borrowing them because we, that's something that a lot of people will never experience. Like, you know, we, we both grew up with eyesight, you know, our, yeah. our parents didn't disappear to go to um, Afghanistan or whatever, and then come and sh- surprise us at our football game or whatever. Like, exactly. yeah. So it's just borrowed emotions. It's almost like, it's like digital cocaine, man. It's digital cocaine and it's all good in small, maybe, um, maybe not cocaine, but like it is, I don't think cocaine's good in any dose, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's all right. Maybe in the short term, but I don't know if it's, if it's healthy for your brain to be like going through that rush or that, even though it's a happy rush or a tear joking rush, I'm not sure it's good for us. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but on, okay, so clearly you're, you're pretty in touch with, with your emotions. You um, you were, you were you surprised me. You popped up. I don't. I think it might have been four or five, maybe more years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were doing stand up. Yeah. Now, um, what? How did how did you get into that? Like your joke writing. I noticed it was your jokes were more sort of jokes than than storytelling it was uh you know something i don't know how familiar you are with comedians but like sort of mitch hedberg style um uh the dude with the the big nose uh dimitri martin like just like sort of like joke machine gun sort of thing yeah i mean that those are two guys that i used to look at and and try to emulate because i wasn't you know, I was in the beginning stage of comedy. I was in total like, you know, when you begin anything, you're in emulation mode. You know? Yeah. So I was I was emulating those two and like Stephen Wright and like Zach Galifianakis. Even Craig Robinson has like a very like jokey, like quick joke style. Yeah. And um, so yeah, I mean, 
I wasn't really, I never really got past that stage to be honest and I wanted to get out of that stage because I would see sort of like, um, you know, the great comics and think, wow, they're telling whole stories and it feels like an emotional kind of uh, like fulfilling journey for them, for them to express their like worldview and I never got to, got good enough at comedy to be able to do that, you know, so. Right. I, and so the jokes were just like I I, under, I began to understand the science of like of how a joke worked, so I could do that enough to get laughs on stage. But it didn't become it wasn't very fulfilling. And so music kind of was that fulfilling thing for me. So, yeah. So does that make you feel? Is that or oh, not now? But was that maybe where your transition to music went? You felt that you could maybe tell those stories through music better than you could through jokes. Yeah, I, th- I honestly think that's a big. That was a big part of it. I was just sort of like, all right, well, I can. I got to the point where I was like, I can do this comedy thing enough to like stand in front of a crowd and do it. But I didn't feel very like I. I didn't know how to get to that next step, and music just seemed like I knew what to do. Well, I thought I did. Yeah, <laughs> but I, mean, I was still very, still very young and naive at that point with music, and I didn't know what I was doing. And hip hop has those those zingers, you know, like you know, Ludacris is famous for Buster Rhymes as well. Like they they have a lot of comedy in their bars, um, yeah. Which is something that that you you do use from time to time, and especially you've got your I don't know if you still do it, but you had the um, the Chubby Chronicles, the cooking show on YouTube, which was funny. Yeah. So I, you, I, mean, I try I, I try to be funny as a person to my friends or whatever. I always, not that I'm a, not that the funniest dude ever, but I, you know, you could, I, I do like trying to be funny or being funny, but you know, it feels so, it felt, I remember the day I was like, I'm not going to do comedy anymore. I felt so good and like, I didn't have to be funny. You know what I mean? The pressure yeah. of being a comedian, that sucked for me, man. And like, a bunch of comedians standing around at a gig all trying to be funny, like, that wasn't, that was tough. Yeah, I bet it's like very competitive. Whereas, like, if you're at a gig, um, like a festival or something, like, I guess chances are that you're not in the back fucking freestyling every artist, you know? <laughs> exactly. I'm in my damn room back there just kicking it. Yeah. Um, but so that that transition into rap, you, you've had the stage experience as a. Um, comedian you've you've you know you've done some some battle raps as well um what what is the difference in you know the feeling that you get whether uh from from a battle rap to like a a performance that's just sort of your gig well i mean a battle rap is a lot closer to comedy because well, in comedy, you have your prepared stuff, obviously, and then you might just whip out something, you know, say someone's heckling you or whatever, and you whip out something in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But a battle rap is all in the moment, if, you know, in the type that I was doing, which was like freestyle. So that was, that's living on the edge, man. That shit is fucking hard, and you can bomb, and I sometimes did. Like, I was all right at it, sometimes I'd go okay, and then sometimes I would just, nothing would rhyme, and I would just look like a clown, you know? So, I was, luckily I was like 16, 17, 18, young enough that nothing really hurt. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think I could do it now. You think but you'd I, have too much pride now and it would, yeah, you'd, you'd yeah, go home probably, and you'd feel it? 
It's not good, is it? You don't want to have. You don't want to go and grow too much pride. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Right. But um. But yeah, I mean, the difference is really when you when I had a backing track on stage. I after doing comedy, after doing battle rap, I was like, damn, this is a lot easier to be honest. Uh, and but you know, what? I wasn't. Now I'm not a natural performer. I don't love performing. For someone who's been on stage a lot, you probably wouldn't believe that. But I actually don't. I actually. Get I have I get nervous and I, sometimes I have a little crisis on stage, wondering what the fuck I'm doing up there, you know. Right. And how do you <laughs> how do you deal with that crisis? Well, the show continues on. Keep the backing tracks keep playing, and I just no one no one usually knows. I don't think. Right. It's just a <laughs> it's an internal crisis. Internal crisis. Does it does it you know, con- carry on? <laughs> inside after the show yeah sometimes I'm like man that whole shit was fucked and then I start thinking damn I'm not really cut out for this performing thing but the other side of the coin is people you I make songs that for people to have and live with hopefully and if they want to see the songs and they do get enjoyment out of seeing them performed I think so I, I try not to put too much pressure on myself you know like just fucking rock up and do your job and I've been I've done a zillion shows in my life so it's like uh, I feel like I'm beginning to know what I'm doing so a part of me a part of me thinks man this isn't for you but the other part of me says ha this is kind of totally you bro and you do this all the time so just relax right and out of those zillion shows where do you have a favourite place to perform whether it's a city or or a specific venue I wish I could say Adelaide because I love Adelaide are you living back in Adelaide? Or where are yeah, you? I've been back I, here for like two years now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love I'm, it. I'm, I miss it. I'd love to move back one day. But um, How recognisable are you in Adelaide? Like, does everybody fucking know you? You've got the beanie well, and the hair sort of thing happening. <laughs> How recognisable is everyone in Adelaide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Is> everyone? <laughs> well, how about, okay, you, you're in LA now. You're an Aussie hip hop artist. How recognizable are you in LA? Do you get a lot of, um, you know, people wanting signatures or selfies or hugs or whatever? No, no, I don't actually. And that was, you know, to be honest, I didn't think I was attached to that element of things in Australia. But going to LA, it, it I was kind of like, wow, nobody knows me, and it, it, it wasn't like I was sad or anything, but it was a kind of an adjustment. Yeah, but there, there's always a sense of ego in any type of entertainment, whether it's sports, which is what I've been through, or, um, you know, music or comedy. There's, you know, people, it's, it's great to be humble in interviews and say like, oh, yeah, like, I, I don't really notice it. Or, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really like people coming up to me because I just want to be normal. I'm just a normal guy. But it's, it is, it's, it's good to get your ego stroked, man. Like, Everyone goes through it. That's that goes goes through this entertainment business. Mm, yeah, especially when you work hard for something, you know. And it's the same in sport. When you dedicate your whole life, day in day out, you know, and you get recognition for it, it's well deserved because you have given a lot and given up a lot. Absolutely. And for for me, it's like shit. I've given up a lot, and I and I work so hard with what I'm doing. So I really feel proud when I get recognition. For yeah, and like being being proud in your own work, there's, you're always really happy with what you've done. Well, for the most part, and then 
for to see other people feel that same happiness that you felt when you completed it, it's like, oh yes, I've I've like I've fucking done it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, I think that's I think that's alright to feel that way. But yeah, it wasn't an adjustment, but I feel like it was good for me because I I kind of let go of that and I let go of whatever I had in me in Australia, which was sort of like I guess I had felt, you know, because you can feel like you deserve recognition, but don't feel like you are that person. Don't feel like you are um, whatever, like a public image or, you know, it allowed me to remember that I'm, like not that I'm a super famous person or anything, but it, it had gone to my head a little bit. And so I think, I think being here was has been a really good thing in that regard. Yeah, just like a big grounding. Yeah, just your person, bro, and you gotta remember. And I had no friends. I came over here to meet people and, and, you know, fucking get down to business. And LA and New York are sort of those places where, like, you know, celebrities are found there. So it, depending on where you're located in those cities, it is sort of just something that you see and you're just used to it. So you don't have people might, you know, later say to somebody like, oh, you know, I saw all day, but they won't run up to you because they're it's not as much of a freak out because they're, they're used to it. Yeah, it's, it was really weird. Like, you walk past those movie stars all the time in the supermarket or whatever, and nobody says anything. Like, big movie stars. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah, so did you have did you have a, a favourite venue or city to, to perform in? Oh, yeah, I, was ra- I rambled past that one, didn't I? Um, you, not Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, you never know which it were. Um... I think the whole sort of coastal, up Sydney and above, you know, those, I think something in the, they go in the water too much, it's too hot up there, they go a bit crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and you've, you've somehow managed to be a rapper, move to LA, and you haven't got a single face tap. I know. In 2018. Even, even, my, even my manager has been asking me to get some. Bullshit. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, he was like, so it seems like you're not going to get any face traps. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking comedy, man. I mean, as much as I like it, I do look at them and go, man, I'd like some of this, but I don't want to be, I like to, I like to follow them. Once everyone's doing something, it's too late for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Um, and what did you know? What's sad though? You know what's sad though? Walking around the streets here, there's people with face tats because they think that's gonna be like the freaking the key to success. Yeah. The second guy on Melrose has a face tat. That's the thing. LA's a bit um a bit sad that way. Like that's where everybody is that's made it, but that's where everybody is that hasn't made it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very sad. It's like what do they call it? What a green they call it? The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, it. That was, already, that was already a term, I think. But yeah, yeah it, it it really is. It's like you walk around. It's like people who've made it, the people who's who are who have not made it, or they're watching themselves fail, and it, it's really it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Um. And what what did the folks think uh, about about your transition into entertainment and not? Um, you know, traditional uh, career. Um, you know, my 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 mom is a kind of a bit of a free spirit. I would say, like, you know, she well, she 
she works in the like government for the she's like a social worker in like the I don't know where she's working now maybe drug and alcohol okay so she like write, writes policy in the South Australian government and stuff but um but really she even though she's doing that nine to five thing she's like a kind of arty person she likes to paint she just there's always music on she has instruments all over the house I think she was very happy for me to do something like that oh that's yeah and that's which, yeah. Sorry, which, yeah, and what she always said was, uh, you know, just as long as you're working hard. Yeah, right. And that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I mean, I don't know what your idea of success is, and we'll get that um, from you in a minute, but it look, it seems like it's, it's paid off for you, the, the hard work. I mean, I, I was in um, Townsville for a while with the Crocs, um, and I forgot what the name of the bar was. Uh, Bank Street Social or Flinders Street Social or something like that um, and I, I bummed into some guy who was wearing an all day t-shirt I was like oh I used to play ball with him he's like and he, he like started treating me like I was famous <laughs> well you were playing for the Crocs for one thing <laughs> I don't know if he I don't even know if he knew that he was worried about all day you know what, <laughs> you know what? as a rule I'm all 6'8 black dudes in Australia uh, uh, you know, treat them as famous because most uh, most people are playing for that. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, ninety five percent for sure. Um, yeah, but so what? Yeah. Um, Sorry. What does success look like for you? Um, I mean, it's changing over time, I suppose. I, I think as it should. I, there was, I, I think it was like get out of my job. Originally, I was just a kid and I had a shitty job and I was like, well, people seem to like this music thing and I was like, well, I'm going to just rush, 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 put out music, put out music, put out music, see if I can quit my job. That was kind of a thing. And that was probably 2013, 2012. And then as soon as I did that, it changed again because I was like, okay, I didn't really like the way my music reflected on me. Okay. And I thought, well, people think that you're this guy, maybe it was too poppy or maybe too light or something. And then I immediately went, that's, that was just before my first album. And I thought, you know what? I really want to make something a bit more. I want it to be big and known, but I also want it to be something I would listen to myself on my own stereo. And so that was kind of the goal at that time. And I think for the most part, I was, I almost achieved that. And then afterward, I think I, I don't know what I cared about after that for a while. To be honest, I was just like, I had a breakup and I was like, and the music was going really well. And I was like, I started just doing a lot of drugs and being, that's probably when I, like I said, I probably lost my, uh, lost my, uh, like I got, I let it go to my head a little. Yeah. And then the next album, I think, I wanted to be known as cooler than I thought I was known as. Okay. I'm not talking about, these aren't the total motivations, yeah. but they're partial motivations. And because in all of it, I just, in all of it, through all of that, a lot of the time I just wanted to make good songs and stuff I liked and stuff that people listen to me like. But anyway, so that has changed over time. Really for me, the now I'm feeling like I really want to make music that just sort of lasts or means something to people. And, and I'm, and maybe it's different. And I guess so. I guess it's always been 
destiny has always been related to the music itself and how, how it works with the people who listen to it and support it. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's that's good and um, sort of uh, inspirational as well. Glad you know you don't want to hear people say like, "I'm just you know I'm just trying to make millions or whatever." Like, because a lot of these rappers um, <clears throat> today are just that you know they don't seem to love the music. Takashi Six Nine has like said, "I know my music's trash." Um, you got other rappers saying, "I don't know who Biggie is. I don't know who Tupac is," and it's just like, "What are you fucking talking about, man?" Like. You're just a troll. You're not a rapper, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's good on you. Like, get get your bag. You know what I mean. But um, oh yeah, I mean, everybody needs needs to get paid. But uh, you know, also, it's music. You know, you wake up with it. You, you know, it gets you up. It gets you at the gym. Gets you going. Go. You go to sleep with music. Like, for me, I just want to make something that contributes positively to that. Right? Yeah. And really, like, just fits in with the good stuff. That's kind of that. Would... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think your music does that. Your your fans certainly love you a lot from from what I've seen online and and stuff like that. They they get around you a lot, and especially that dude in the bar at Townsville. I mean, that was <laughs> that was something else. But <clears throat> so shout out to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> What what are your who are your inspirations uh, musically? Um, I mean, so many. Like you know, I grew up listening to a lot of underground. Like I, I listened to a lot of underground Australian stuff, and that was really cool just to hear people rap in the accent that I have. You know? And yeah. That's like, and that can't be understated because just knowing that it's possible and knowing that you know you, you can that makes a difference. And then. So obviously I have a lot of rap and underground rap, East Coast nineties rap, and then like my mom listens to a lot of folk music, like the guitar storytelling music, and then you know my friends were more into like rock and southern rock, old you know Rolling Stones and I don't know like Leonard Skinner or whatever. That's what they were playing at parties. So I've kind of been lucky to be exposed to lots of different stuff, and then I also listened to like a lot of R and B in high school as well, like neo soul and. Music Soul Child, Duele, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a mix there, which is which is always good. I think, especially in hip hop, maybe your inspirations shouldn't be from hip hop because it ends up being in, like you said before, an emulation rather than um, you know a, a creation. And if you if you get your um, inspiration from somewhere else you can sort of turn that into hip-hop and it becomes its own sort of style and i guess that's what what sampling began as it was um inspiration from other music brought into hip-hop and put a fat drum line over it yeah that's really true i mean there's a lot of different entrances to hip-hop i guess but for me it's like it was kind of my only like, I, I feel like i understand hip-hop and like writing raps on a pretty like mathematical fundamental level so it's like that's my that's always going to be my baseline that's always going to be like there and i can sort of leave that if i feel the need even though a lot of people say stop singing keep rapping <laughs> yeah 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 but, but, you know, rap is like, you know, I've been doing that since I was like 11 years old. I can, I can do that shit. So I don't always feel the need to use it as like 
in the same way anyway. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. so what you've clear, you're, you're evolving, which is good for anybody doing anything. What would you give your, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Oh God. I mean, there's so many things I wish I knew. <clears throat> um, just, I would say, download Ableton, produce it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Own everything. Say, take singing lessons earlier, learn instruments earlier. Um, study all different types of music don't listen to don't listen to don't listen to the current thing don't base what you're making off the current thing base what you're making off classic music and set yourself to that standard rather than the hot thing at the moment that's a mistake i've made a million times and i think so many people have made you know yeah absolutely um and what advice would you have you received that you've ignored or you would ignore if you received it again <laughs> oh wow um a network sorry i missed you know, i missed the start of that people always say to me you know you're in la you gotta make friends you gotta network you gotta that's how you make it in la and you know to be honest i haven't made it in la so i don't know but that's not really my style i can't I've always sort of rejected that because I can't force shit. I can't force friendships with people. I can't pretend. So, I mean, that's something I have ignored. And just because things need to be natural for me. Yeah. You know? So I don't know if it's a good thing to ignore, but I don't feel like I have a choice. Yeah, well, there, there's a conflict there. If, if you chose to accept it and do that, and maybe it does help you, does that make you happy by being someone that you're not just mm. to just to make it? I mean, and, and that's another one of those sad things in LA. A lot of people become somebody who they're not just for the fame. And, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes they don't even get the fame and they've, they've changed themselves so much that they're not, they're not who they thought they were. Very true. It's a sick place. Yeah. Well, but it's also a cool place, you know, so. I don't want to be one of those people that shits on LA because that's also like its own trope at the moment. Yeah. It's like, oh, the guy who sh- the guy who moves to- It is like a trend to shit on LA at the moment. Um, last time I was there, I got I got pickpocketed. So I'm I am actually one of the people hating on LA at the moment. You got pickpocketed in the club. Um, what was it called? Oh. Uh, not thirty one ten. No. Oh, I've been there. That was that was dope. That wasn't the one though. It was. Um... <laughs> Alex, yeah, Alex told me you went there. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not. I'm not able to remember it at the moment. But I was fucking pissed. I still am. Damn, that's not good. I think that happened on like trains in Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to the bouncer out the front. He said that like, like ten people got. Um, there was taken that night, so I was, I felt a little bit better that the dude in there doing it was a pro. Yeah, shit, he was he had a good night. Yeah, <laughs> so um, yeah, that made me feel a bit better, but I still was mad. It's just like so annoying trying to get all your cards and shit back. 
It's so annoying. And then what was he going to do with them? You just probably turned them off right away. Yeah, exactly. And I had no, I had no cash in there either. So he, he didn't get anything from me except um, he got me angry. Jeez, man. Old school crime. Yeah. <laughs> None of that Wall Street shit. Um, and so you're, I don't know, it's, it's unfortunate yet fortunate that you're in the world of, of streaming it's so easy for people to have access to your music, but the, we talked about securing the bag before. I think that's been affected a lot um, with, you know, the introduction of Apple Music and um, Spotify and all this. Um, how, yeah, how do you feel about that? And have you found yourself, you know, focusing more on merch and tours? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I can't cry over it or cry foul over it because um, you know I came up in the era of I suppose it was like the post limelight era of like maybe it was the um, pirate bay era you know so that's when I first started and I never expected to make much money off albums or anything and I never did like maybe, maybe the hardcore fans buy it which is really cool and that is a lot more money than streaming. I suppose, I think we sold like 25,000 or 20,000 of the first album, which is like probably a lot more than I've made from streaming. So yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm suffering from that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? You have to move with the times and you, can't, you don't really get to choose. It's funny that actually the, someone said that the streaming model itself doesn't make any money. Like Spotify doesn't really make any money, someone said. Yeah, someone actually did say that to me as well, and I don't, I don't know how that's going to be affected. I don't know how much longer it's going to be around, and what the alternative is. Because at this point, I mean, that's that's the primary way of listening to music. That's what people do now. People don't really, people don't have CD players in cars, um, or or like MP3 players. It's all it's all just streaming and you know you can buy albums or whatever on um uh itunes but people love that radio function as well and for the the amount of subscribers there are it's crazy to me that um that these platforms are you know having a financial crisis yeah that's very that's true well you know what someone said maybe it was alex actually i they um i think he said it it was going to work because apple music isn't it's just an arm of Apple. So Apple as a corporation can take that loss. Whereas they he says theoretically Spotify may not be able to long term. And for those listening, Alex is our mutual friend who's a very savvy guy when it comes to money stuff. Yeah. Yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but I guess that makes sense. Like yeah Apple could take the hit. Um and I guess probably Tidal could too, the way Jay Z and Beyonce make money. Oh my god, isn't he a smart fella, oh Jay-Z? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, his new EP thing, that was really good too, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I like everything he does and um, there was some complaints with 444 and his style on there and shit, but I mean, if you want old Jay-Z, you know, the albums haven't disappeared, go fucking listen to them. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't be like a guy in your twenties talking about selling drugs forever. Yeah. Um, if you could feature with anybody, who yeah. would it, who would it be? 
Nick Cave. I'm not familiar. Nick Nick Cave. He's like Australian. Okay. Into my arms, overload, or um, uh, um, Paul McCartney. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm big into the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, well, they they knew what they were fucking doing. They did. <laughs> they were pretty, pretty onto it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, Oasis. I'm in an Oasis phase as well. Oh, is that one? No, is that Wonderwall? Wonderwall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I'm cool. I'm hip. <laughs> but they're from the nineties. Massive hits. Um, uh, well, I've had, I've had you for a while, but before I let you go, okay. I, we've got the goal at Welcome to the Party of being uh, the most charitable podcast. Okay. So do you have a charity that you identify with or um, support? Yeah. Um, let me think of what it's called again. <laughs> 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 um, it's like, you know, for people who are... Um, play on at home I'm a I've been a vegan for a long time because I watched I read a book when I was a kid and uh, I was like oh you know what if this is possible to not eat um to not eat meat then I, I should do it and then I have so how long have you been doing like, that how long I've yeah 10 years now okay and I and maybe I don't, I don't know if it's possible for everyone. It, seem, it seems to be possible for me. <laughs> I've been fine for ten years. Um, so, what's a good one? Like, there's like a Victorian one. Let me, let me. I'm just googling it right now. Yeah, do do that that uh that Google machine. Um. Yeah, like. Well, that sounds good. Forever friends. My friend actually works for it. The name's uh, escaping me right now. I'm a bit jet lagged. Um, but so, what about this one? Forever friends, animal rescue. That sounds good. No problem. We'll we'll play for them. We've got a game. Don't know if you've heard the yeah. show before, but the game is called Sourced Unsourced. It's basically true, okay. true or false. Yeah. I'm gonna hit you with five statements, and you just have to say sourced or unsourced. Sourced is true. Okay. Unsourced is false. If you get three out of five. I'll donate uh, $50 to Forever Friends. Okay. Um, Marshall Mathers, AKA Eminem, was born in Detroit. Oh shit, I mean, I'm gonna hope that's true, right? Based on everything we know about it, sourced. Unsourced. Oh no, I I was thinking it was somewhere weird, wasn't it? St. Joseph, Missouri. Shit, alright. You know what, I knew that deep down. Fuck, I've gotta really get chilled in here for the animal. You gotta gotta dig deep. (laughs) Yeah. Snoop Dogg's album, Doggy Style, is now 25 years old. Uh, 20, what happened, let me think, 6, 2, 18, 25, what, I'm trying to think, it's, we're 18 years from 2000, and then we need to be 7 years back, and that would make, mean it was from 93, but I think it was from, so unsourced. It's, it's sourced, it was in 93. 
Oh my gosh. You gotta get three from three here to finish. Alright, this, uh, this is what I do before my depression. Clutch, Mr. Jerry West. Um, Kendrick Lamar's real name, real last name, sorry, is Duckworth. Yeah. Sourced. Sourced, correct. Drake, Drake never visited uh, Wheezy in Rikers. Oh, outsourced. No, unsourced. Oh. He visited him three times. Hey, G shit, that's family. <laughs> Fuck, I fucked it. Alright, just to get the last one. Yeah, let's go. Alright, let's go double or nothing because it's uh, it's November, and if you um. If you get it right, I'll give Forever Friends $100 and I'll give Movember $100 also. Very cool, very cool. Your most popular song in um, Spotify is yes. in, in Motion. <laughs> I should know, I'm the one patrolling this Spotify like a security guard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is sourced information. Source at almost 14 million listens. So, $100 to Forever Friends, $100 to Movember. Great interview, fun times. Um, appreciate on the high. That was very cool. Yes. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Um, it's been, been a long time coming. Yeah, it's been a long time between drinks. It was, it was good to catch up. Yeah, man. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks for making the time. And um, yeah, very happy for you with the, the amount of success. And um, I hope it just keeps keeps coming in, uh, especially in the way that you want it to come. No, Bruno. Thank you. Thank you. And I, it's, um, you too. And I know this felt like a bit of a one-sided convo because you had the interview questions, but keen to catch up more. And also, you know what? I still remember your first ever basketball training that you ever did. I remember it too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to see if I can fucking guard this giant guy here. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about me anyway, so no one cares about that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, next time, next time you're in Adelaide, um, hit me up and maybe we can go get a coffee or a beer or something and, um, chop it up. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Take care. Hunt in a city, crash with your armies, chain smoking rollies, and they're all in love with you. Take me out somewhere, the twirling under, you need to believe in yourself like I do. All right, that was lit. That was good. Good catch up. I don't think I've actually talked to him in, uh, I would say, 12 to 15 years, like, to be honest. So that was actually really good to catch up, see how he's doing, see actually, um, you know, uh, the thought process behind a lot of his work. And um, yeah, those those highs and lows of, of performing, the pressures of creating new content you know, the streaming platforms and, you know, securing the bag. So um, I hope everybody learned a bit from that. We'll see you on hump day and uh, everybody have a good week. And of course, bang, bang. Baby,